Oh, I have a few announcements I want to go through. So the Key Women Bible Study, they're starting two new books of the Bible. Monday morning on February 27th at 6.30 a.m. at the church office, they're going to go start going through the book of Romans. And Tuesday night at 7 p.m., they're going to start going through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, whatever, Isaiah. So, and both of those studies will be online. Um, so, yep, that's coming up. If you need to, if you want any resources, you can speak to Kat about that. Mother's Prayer Circle is happening this Friday, just to remember that. Steve and Terry Barr are going to be here next weekend. Um, we have a deacon's meeting, but then they're also going to be sharing with us on Sunday as well. And just a little bit of a teaser, coming up here in March, we're going to be hosting, Hope Rock's going to be hosting a, just a geogra- geographical training time. Different guys coming in, sharing their heart about what God's doing in and around the area. You can go online to Church Center or our website. It'll connect you through so you can register there. Now, just before I call Mark up, there's two people I just wanted to honor. As of about 1230 last night, nothing would have happened in church today, right? We had a massive technical issue with that computer, and it was literally erased. And I just wanted to honor JR for staying up late. I don't even know if he's in the building right now. He fixed it all. And then last but not least, I wanted to honor a guy that you might not all see. We all watch his amazing talent uh, and see the videos that he creates and all the editing that he does. But today, and I know he's in the back room and I know he's cringing right now, it's Jim Flores' birthday. So when he does come out, please make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Without further ado, Mark Batten. Good morning, church. I am Honduras. They're on a mission trip to help uh, spread the gospel down there. And Marco, our lead elder, is in Israel uh, with some other pastors walking the Holy Land. And since they're eight hours ahead of us right now, he should be watching. So Marco, (laughs) good to see you, my friend. So uh, I want to welcome you to Hope Rock Church. And uh, we're just delighted that you chose to worship with us here today. If this is your first time here, welcome. For those of you who call Hope Rock Church home, I'm glad to see that you did not go skiing or go to the beach. This is a much better place to be at the end of uh, like school holiday, right? Is that what it is? Okay. So uh, today I'm going to preach on a kingdom value called or about discipleship. And at Hope Rock Church, there are some things that we hold very uh, near and dear to our hearts in terms of the decisions we make in terms of how do we continue building out Hope Rock Church? What ministries do we launch? Uh, there's a, a myriad of, uh, of, of, of considerations that we place and, and consider before doing anything here at Hope Rock Church because we want to do what the Lord has created us to do with our unique gifting in the body here at Hope Rock Church. And so we're, we're not... Uh, we're not excited to do what is traditionally done in churches. You know, you got to have these programs. You've got to look this way. You have to, you know, whatever it is that uh, American church looks like, we believe, not that we're trying to be different for the sake of being different, but God has a unique call on Hope Rock Church. Uh, He's assembled all of you here to do a unique work that has not been done in the Lake Travis area before. You might recall a few months back, I preached on uh, the kingdom value of planting churches. Remember the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus says, go and make disciples. The gospel is not a a gospel of let's build a big church 
a big building and the lost will come, we go out and we reach the lost by going. This morning, I want to touch on discipleship because in the Great Commission, Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples. He didn't tell his disciples, go and build a program, build a multi-campus church. He said, go and make disciples. And we get that confused sometimes, what exactly Jesus meant by making disciples. So I want to take a look at that this morning. And I want to zero in on what it looks like, not only to be a disciple, but what your role in discipleship is here at Hope Rock Church. Either you're a disciple or a disciple maker, or you're on the sidelines watching disciples disciple other people. This morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you to maybe go a little deeper, a little further in your walk with the Lord by getting connected with those that might be a little bit ahead of you in terms of their maturity in the faith. So will you uh, join with me for these next uh, few minutes and see what the Lord has for us uh, in his word. Let me pray and we'll get into the heart of the message this morning. Uh, Father God, i just uh, just amazed that uh, uh, you would uh, assemble uh, a group of formerly sinners destined for eternity separated from you. You've assembled us as your sons and your daughters by faith that we might worship you, but that we might go on into a, a place of maturity in our walk, not just satisfied with being saved, but walking in the very thing that you created us to do. So I pray, God, that we would be a people whose hearts are stirred to, to, to move on to maturity, to move on and begin to uh, impact the world through our own lives and our own understanding of who you are personally, through your word, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray this morning you would uh, guide my words. May I speak your truth. May we be encouraged. May we be built up. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So are you with me? Discipleship is the outcome or the intended outcome of this message. And it really pertains to each and every one of you who are here today. So it's not to, for a select few. We like to think that, oh, a disciple is just for the few, the proud, the marine. Nope. It's for all of us, really. And I'm going to prove this to you in, 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 in the text this morning. So let's start off with looking at the Great Commission once again, which is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's take a close look at these few verses here because it's critical in, in understanding what it means to be a disciple or what Jesus meant about going and making disciples. In verse 16, it says this. So the 11 disciples, well, I have to stop right there and ask, okay, the 11 disciples, well, who are they? They went on to Galilee. They went to the mountain Jesus had designated. Well, I looked it up, and the 11, and in fact, I have, uh, this is better than Google, by the way. Even the, uh, what's that new thing now where you uh, have a chat box or a chat, you know? It, yeah, whatever. You can talk to your browser now and get all the answers to life. This is where all the answers to life are right here. And I found where the 11 disciples are mentioned uh, in the Word. 
And here's the 11 disciples that Peter, or that uh, Jesus is referring to. Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. Got to get the tax collector in there. James, son of Alphaeus, or Alphaeus, uh, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot. So these are real people that were called to go to the mountain to meet Jesus. And this followed shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, shortly after he was seen by the multitudes, shortly after Jesus told other disciples to tell these select few men who must be uh, like elite disciples or taking this really seriously, I'm guessing, to go meet him on the mountain. So what made them disciples? A disciple, I'm going to stop right here because I, I have to, uh, you know, I have to make sure, like Marco does sometimes, some of what I'm going to preach is my own interpretation. You may have a different interpretation, and that's great. Uh, we can agree to disagree on this, on, on, on other matters that aren't pertinent or super critical to our salvation. But I, I'm going to suggest to you that you, if you look at a disciple in the word as synonymous with being a Christian, I want to challenge you on that this morning. I'm going to maybe prove my case here in a second. So when I'm talking disciples, I'm not talking about Christians who fill the pews. I'm not talking about people that profess their love for Jesus and place their faith in him to save. A disciple is much more than a believer. A disciple is one who learns. A disciple is one who attaches himself to another to gain some practical or theoretical knowledge, whether by instruction or by experience. The concept of discipleship was widely accepted in Judaism of Jesus' day. The rabbis had disciples. The disciples would, would study underneath the rabbis. They would attach themselves to the rabbis because they wanted to become like the rabbis in all knowledge and probably some prestige and honor that comes with that. In the New Testament, uh, the word disciple and others related to it, and I won't go through all the Greek words, also express the idea of being transformed by information and being transformed by being under the tutelage or the affluence or the authority of someone else who you strive to be like. Does that make sense? Not every Christian wants to be like Jesus. Not every Christian wants to be like somebody that's sitting maybe next to you today who you know to be just fired up for the Lord and mature in their faith. Unfortunately, we don't all strive for that, but this is what Jesus wants for us, and I'm going to show you exactly that. So can we agree to disagree or disagree to agree, whatever the, the right words or uh, combination of words is? If you grew up in a church that said, anytime you see the word disciple in your Bible, that means a Christian, I'm coming at it a little bit differently. I believe that being a disciple is a choice we make, Okay. And here's some verses that will support or support my understanding of this. As someone who has been a study or a, a learner of God's word for 30 years or so, I have come to the conclusion exactly that. To be a disciple is a choice that we make. Look at this in Luke 14, 26. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, just stop right there. 
most of the time in, in the word of God, when you see this idea of coming to me, that's usually an indication of salvation. As the Lord is drawing you to the truth, you are then coming to the truth. It's a, it's a simultaneous drawing and moving towards this truth, this power. Jesus is saying, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is not saying here is unless you hate everybody in your family, including your own life, you can't be a Christian. That is so counter to the gospel message. Jesus doesn't ask anything of us other than to receive his finished work on the cross, and by faith, we receive forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternity with God in heaven. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and his mother and his brother and his wife and all that, what Jesus is saying here, to be a disciple, there cannot be any other loves that compete with your love for me. Salvation and discipleship are not the same. Jesus never suggested that men should have bitter hatred in their hearts towards father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters in order to be saved. Rather, he was emphasizing the love for Christ must be so great that all other loves are hatred in comparison. Now, I don't know a whole lot of people who instantaneously love Jesus the minute they see their need for forgiveness. The minute they say, yes, I want to be forgiven. I want to have that hope. Growing in love with Jesus is a path that we take. It's a, it's a, it's a process. Like my wife and I, we've been married 30 something years now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so in love with my wife that the days fly by. Just, it seems like an eternity. But I love my, when I said I do, I had no idea what love meant. I had no idea how much I would love her after 30 years. I believe the same thing is true when it comes to uh, falling in love with Jesus. Yes, we have this love, but it's really pales in comparison to the kind of love that we can uh, uh, experience as we walk the journey of faith alongside him in the word, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, I don't think, is saying, fall in love with me before you can be saved. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to go deeper than you've ever gone before, if you want to travel a road less traveled, is that, is that messing with my... So I do have a habit of like getting a little animated. And I'm a, J, uh, JR might want to move these really cool pedals over here because I this, this might be fun. I could just spring off of these. <laughs> thank you. Whatever you did, thank you. We must set aside our own wants and needs in order to know Christ, to be a disciple, and to make him known. You can know Jesus superficially. You can know Jesus elementary. What we want are people that know him, not just intellectually, but experientially. You walk out what you know to be true, and you're transformed as you are walking in faithfulness. And others around you see this transformation that they want and then they hopefully come alongside that person and say, hey, will you disciple me? I want to go where you're going. And our response should be, follow me as I follow Christ. That is the, the picture we see here. 
We must not make decisions based on what is best for us to be a disciple maker and be a disciple, but rather be mindful of how our actions will influence the reputation of Christ. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, I'm coming at this with the idea that a disciple is not the same as a believer. Jesus would never say, in order to be a Christian, you must carry a load that is extremely heavy. You must prove yourself in carrying the burdens of Christianity before I receive you as my son or daughter. This has everything to do with discipleship. The cross is not a burden forced upon us, but rather it's a choice we make out of love for Christ. It comes with trials of criticism, suffering, loneliness, even death, which we are willing to accept if we want to accept the challenge to be a disciple of Jesus. If we choose to follow Christ wholeheartedly, we will face the same kind of demonic resistance the Son of God did while he lived here on earth. So being a disciple is not for the faint of heart. It's not for fame, fortune, notoriety, acceptance. We see the disciples in the New Testament, they were treated horribly, but their love for Christ demanded that they go and live for him and grow up in him and train others to carry on the message of the gospel. Not all Christians take on the burden of the cross. It is possible to lead a superficial Christian life and be exempt from its weight. Luke 14, 33 puts it this way. In the same way, therefore, not one of you can be my disciple if he does not renounce all his possessions. Now, there's probably churches out there that say, drain your bank accounts and you can be saved. Give me that Mercedes Benz and you can be saved. My parking spot's out back. It's got my name on it. No, Jesus isn't saying renounce everything that you own to be a Christian. He calls us to believe. And when you believe and you are transformed, I guarantee you, you will have a heart of generosity and you will freely give away a lot of what you own to others. But that's not the requirement. He's saying to be his disciple, you must hold above all else in your lives, him and him alone. You can't have Jesus competing with your possessions. If he, if he is, you'll never go on to being a disciple, a lifelong learner, a radical proclaimer of the good news. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says this. And this is the rest of, this is the end of my, uh, my, my, my argument that discipleship is not the same as being a Christian. Verse 28 says, come to me. Again, we see come to me or a variant of that, which most often is the invitation to believe. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, come to me and you will no longer be an enemy with God. You will no longer be fighting those spiritual battles against uh, heaven and hell without the authority of Jesus Christ. You will be in a state of rest. You will be strengthened. You will be set free. That is what the come to me means. Then there's a shift to verse 29 and 30, which I believe is the invitation to be a disciple. You see here, we have the invitation to be a Christian and then an invitation to be a disciple. 
Take my yoke on, uh, upon you and learn from me, Jesus says. Take my yoke and learn from me. Be my disciple because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my load is not hard to carry. Jesus is not a taskmaster. He is not requiring us to do anything but to believe. But if you want to go deeper in your faith, if you want to experience joy and sense of purpose beyond measure, the invitation to be a disciple is there. But Jesus promises to be yoked up with us. He will be uh, shouldering most of the burden of being a disciple. He will be walking alongside of us. He is not going to ask us to carry anything that he himself is not willing to carry himself. So point number one, disciples of Christ choose to learn from and follow him. It's not an automatic. It's not a given. You don't receive the free gift of eternal life and you're automatically a disciple. It's a choice that we must make or we should consider if you want joy and purpose that surpasses all understanding in your life. Continuing here, verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. I believe that the 11 disciples that were told to go to the, island, uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to the mountain is who Jesus is referring to here, or the scriptures are referring to here. You have the 11 disciples who proved themselves to be faithful and true. They were growing up in their understanding of the Lord and the, in the ways of the kingdom. Yet there was still some doubt. Yeah, maybe some of these 11 did not see Jesus yet. This is relatively soon after his resurrection, maybe a week to 10 days. So maybe they have yet to see him and touch him. And when they saw him in his glorified state, they just didn't believe it. I'm sorry, if I saw Jesus in his glorified state, I'd be a believer, right? Wouldn't you? Uh, but we're called to believe when we can't see because we know it to be true because he lives in us. Though it could refer to other disciples because there were hundreds of them. Now, let me make this clear right now. This is important. You can be a disciple. It doesn't mean you're a believer. There's a lot of people that study God's word. It doesn't make them believers. They study probably to look for that loophole that proves that Christianity is, is, a, is a farce. They're, they read the Bible to better defend against what they believe. Maybe it's Gnosticism or they're atheists. So you can be a student of the word, but not have the word living in you, nor be a student of the word made flesh. Okay, but I believe here that the 11 disciples that were at the mountaintop are the ones who had some doubt because grammatically, it's, it makes sense here. Most likely, it's those 11. Uh, the reunion was filled with joy and hope. His suffering had come to an end. He had risen and they knew that they would too upon their death. He stood in front of them in a body that was glorified but still recognizable. They all bowed down to worship the living Lord, yet some had lingering doubts. How many of you here this morning love the Lord? You come to church on Sunday, but you have some doubts about things, right? If you're honest with yourself, there's things you, you doubt, you question. Did Jesus really say that all authority has been given to me? Did he really say that he'll be with me to the end of the age? Does he really love me as much as the next guy? Does he really have a purpose and a plan for me? All of that is yes and Amen. Verse 18 says this, then Jesus came up and said to them, all authority on heaven or in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the antidote for fear and doubt. Knowing who's in control, 
knowing who's in power. Some disciples in the church, maybe here today, you'd never move beyond the fear of failure. You'd never move beyond the, uh, the fear of not being accepted by the person sitting next to you or some other tr- uh, trusted Christian. Some of you here this morning have never moved beyond just sitting in the pews as a believer into a place of teaching and leading. Even though you have all that you need to lead with authority and power, the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's, there's no qualification. There's no time that you've got to put into school or learning. The only time that's required is the time you spend with the Lord in his word, praying and just saying, Lord, whatever comes my way today, I want to be faithful and true to you. I want to make a difference. That's your qualification. Jesus is your qualification. Some here doubt that they uh, need to even open up to be uh, being discipled. Maybe this is new to you today, so I, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass. But after today, you're all without excuse because you know what God wants for us. Now, it, it was almost to the day in 2015 that uh, I had been out of church for about 10 years. Really hit a, a rough patch in my faith walk, my journey with the Lord. Uh, spent 10 years apart from local fellowship. 10 years out of God's word, didn't crack my Bible open for 10 years, didn't worship. I was on a slippery slope to being miserable and, well, ineffective. Uh, This is lots of things that were wrong in my life at that time. Almost to the day in 2015, after being a part of this church for a week, now, it was a different church back then, we, if you don't know the, because I was inspired by what I heard in one week of being at the church. So I, I'm thinking to myself, how do I become like some of the people I witnessed at church? So I went to the website, and there was a tab called Discipleship. So I clicked on it, and here's this, probably a lot of what I'm preaching on today on what it means to be a disciple, and there's a form. If you want to be discipled, fill out the form. So I filled out the form and I hit send and I'm thinking to myself, somebody's going to call me right away because this is what church is living for, right? This is what they dream of. They want to make disciples, right? A week goes by, 10 days goes by, no response. Finally, I get a phone call from a, 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 a number I didn't recognize uh, uh, I think uh, Jeremy and Lene, you'll, you'll, you'll know this name, and Dan and Karina, you'll, you'll know this name, and uh, Tim and Carrie, I, uh, and maybe some of you here. This, this guy named Jason Peters calls me up. He was on staff at the church here before it became this church. He goes, yeah, uh, I'm Jason, and we got your, your email, or your, your, your online form. You want to be discipled. What's up? I said, man... I don't like where I'm headed. I don't like where I've been. I need someone more mature than me to help me grow up in Christ. He goes, wow, this is refreshing. This is awesome. He goes, in the, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but he said, in the three years we've been a church, not one person filled out that form to be discipled. That's why it took us 10 days to get back to you. We weren't sure how to handle the request. <laughs> yes. So, 
So I said, I don't know what to do. Where, where, how do we start this? He goes, let's meet at Lola Savannah over here at Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the morning or 6.30. I said, okay, let's start there. For two years, almost every single Tuesday for two years, I drove 30 minutes from that direction, almost in Dub's backyard, and to Lola Savannah to sit under the tutelage and the, and the encouragement and the teaching of Jason. For two years, I willingly humbled myself and submitted myself, made it a priority because I wanted to be more like Jesus. And the closest thing to Jesus was this guy named Jason who has an Austin test, awesome testimony. And, and he began to take someone who was out of the ministry for 10 years, questioning, does, does God love me? Walking me through the gospel to show me who I am in Christ. And about three or four months later, he let me lead one of his Bible study sessions at Panera Bread. And that is why we have Fight Club here today. For almost eight years, I've been leading a men's Bible study, but it started with him discipling me and raising me up and encouraging me, put, putting me in a place where I could be used in the kingdom of God. I'm up here today preaching because of Jason Peters. I'm up here because I said, I want more out of this Christian walk than just being saved. I want people to get saved through my witness. I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to know Christ, not just know him, but know him. I want to make him known. That is what I want to be. That's what I'm striving to be. And it all began when I came under the tutelage and the teaching of Jason, who has taught me so much. First and foremost, how to love my Lord and Savior, how to love his word, but how to love his church. So, the second point I want to make is disciples of Christ know the reality of his resurrection. Just the disciples knew the reality because they saw him, there was still some doubt. And I can just picture Jesus going, you know, like Tim, stand up here real quick, just real quick. Tim's worshiping the Lord, but he's got some doubt. And here comes Jesus. Jesus is coming down off the mountain or off of his rock. And he's coming over here to, to, to Tim. And he's saying, you know, um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Does that make you yeah. anxious? That you feel good? Now. I feel much better now. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what Jesus did to the disciples. That was his response. They doubted, but he said, hey, I got this, guys. All authority. Nothing is out of my control. Nothing is more powerful than me, Jesus says. And so that's the point number two. Until you personally realize the reality of his resurrection in your own life, you will never go on to be a disciple or to be a disciple maker because you're going to think it's all about you and your ability to do the unthinkable. How many here can take her with and make better somebody's spiritual life? I mean, you can't, right, you can't see it. It's not like something tangible. It is, but you have to have eyes to see the, tangi the tangibleness of faith. I, I can't fix your hearts. Only God can do that, but I can proclaim truth and I can challenge you on some of your understanding or lack of when it comes to 
Christ. But he is in control. All authority has been given. Jesus told disciples to go make disciples. He didn't say pastors, but I would hope that as a pastor you'd be a disciple. He didn't say well-meaning Christians. He didn't say those of you who have believed the longest go and make disciples. No, he said disciples go make disciples. Those who are serious about growing up in their faith go and make others who are serious about growing up in their faith. And how do you do that? By teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You can't make a disciple if you yourself are not obeying what God has been teaching you. You have no authority over that person's life. But for the person who is seriously pursuing the Lord and striving to walk in his ways, you have some authority to go out and lead others to be just like you. How did Jesus teach the disciples? Jesus attached himself. Throughout the New Testament, whether you're a disciple or a disciple maker, we have this picture of attachment. Jesus attached himself to the men who believed in him, eating with them, traveling with them, doing ordinary life stuff with them. But he taught them along the way. As a disciple maker, if you are one here at Hope Rock Church, or you want to be, it's quite simple. Invite somebody into your life that you can mentor, you can be a, a model for. Let them see you interact with your kids and your wife, doing ordinary life stuff. Eat with them. Go fishing with them. Tony, you got a boat. Can I be your disciple? <laughs> it's as easy as that, folks. Pursue the Lord yourself. Be diligent in applying what you know to be true. Ask God to grow you up in the faith, and then look for someone who's a little bit behind you so that they can follow you as you follow Christ. And disciples, or those that want to be disciples, your part of this is to attach yourself to your teacher. We see in Matthew 10, 24, a disciple, and this is not up on the screen, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, nor a slave greater than his master. We have teachers, and we have masters out here. Of course, Jesus is the, is the master of all. But we have people out here who you, you need to step out in faith and say, I want to be a disciple maker. I have a lot to give. Maybe your calendar or your schedule doesn't indicate that you have a lot to give, but I guarantee you that if you want to carry the burden, to carry the cross of being a disciple maker, the Lord will give you the strength. He'll give you a gap in your calendar to do that. Or maybe you have to say no to some things that you really enjoy. Or maybe invite that person to enjoy the things you're enjoying. That's better yet, whether it's hunting or boat rut. Hopefully you're not in a rut. Hopefully you guys aren't living in a rutful life. But disciples of Christ make disciples. That's my third point. Disciples choose to be a disciple. Disciples know the reality of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, and it's transformed their life. They know that personally, and others see it in them. And disciples make disciples. I'm going to call the band up right now as we close. In John 1, 35 through 42, not up on the screen, we see two of the 11 disciples that were on the mountain with Jesus in this passage. And in this passage, Peter and Andrew were called to salvation. Look it up. I won't share that with you now. But 
Peter and Andrew were saved in verses 35 through 42 of John chapter one. This precedes Matthew 4, 18 through 20. So here we have salvation for Peter and Andrew. Then we see a call to service, an invitation to be a disciple, to enter into a disciple-making relationship with the master Jesus. Matthew 4, 18 through 20, as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is after Jesus already encountered them, and they said, you are the Messiah. You are the king. They already came to, to, to believe in the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus. Jesus said to them, follow me. He didn't say, come to me. They already came to him and believed. Jesus says, follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. Follow me so I can teach you how to win the lost for Christ. Follow me as I show you what it means to be a son or a daughter of the Most High. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. I will help you become who God's created you to be. We're ultimately called to be ambassadors for Christ as if he was making his plea through us for the world to be saved. We are carrying on the mission that Jesus started. And Jesus began with the disciples that were under his wing, learning from him. Those disciples went on to make other disciples. And those disciples made disciples. We'd be here, we wouldn't be here today if we didn't have disciple, disciples making disciples. What did they do? They left their nets immediately and followed him. No question asked. We want to go deeper. We want to go further. We want to catch a lot of fish. This morning, are you saved from your sins? That's the first question I want to ask you. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? You can't be a disciple in the truest sense unless you have been transformed by faith and through the blood of Jesus, born again. And if you are a Christian here today, are you stuck at salvation? Are you stuck at the most elementary level of Christianity? If you are, I'm not saying that salvation alone isn't awesome. It's awesome. But there's more. There's more than just being saved. It's going on and helping others see what you see. Jesus and all of his glory. Are you being discipled here this morning? I lead Fight Club every Wednesday morning, 645 right next door. I don't see most of you there. Now, I'm not the only one that can disciple you. But the invitation is there to be disciple. I look around this room. I see some awesome, for the men, awesome men of God. I've got, I've got, Day, uh, I've got uh, 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 Kurt here. If you don't know Kurt, I, I'd attach myself to him. He's solid. He will help you grow up in your faith. I've got Tony here who's awesome. I've got uh, uh, Trey. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call everybody out here. I've got uh, Ryan. I've got, we've got some men of God here that want to and are, are qualified to lead you in your faith to help you grow up so that maybe someday you can be up here or leading a small group or making a difference in your workplace or on your, in your, on your street or in your family. And for the ladies, we had all the spouses of the men I just called out. They're rock solid. Come under their tutelage and their teaching. 
Humble yourself and say, I want to be more like you. Mary, Shannon, Patty, not because you're Jesus, but you're, 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 a tan, you're tangible proof that God is in the business of changing lives. Take me where you're going. As you follow Christ, let me follow you. And those here who I've mentioned, and some I haven't because I don't have the time, I see AG back there in the corner. AG would be a great one to say, hey, I want to be discipled. We have, we have what it takes in here to have a disciple-making machine. And from here, we can go and make disciples by planting churches and winning the lost. Please, don't be satisfied by just showing up here and saying, I'm forgiven and I'm going to heaven. Life is much more than salvation, though that is a great thing. Hope Rock Church values discipleship because we value the word of God. And Jesus says, go and make disciples, not converts. So examine your life this week. See where you're at. Uh, you know how to get a hold of uh, us elders at Hope Rock Church if you want to be discipled. We don't have a forum. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Just e email us, call us. Talk to me after church. We will be glad to set you up with a, uh, a disciple maker here at Hope Rock Church so that you can grow up in the faith and get off of the milk of the word and onto the meat of the word. Quit drinking the word and living your life as a baby, as an infant with a bottle. Let's get some brisket going and some ribs, right? What do you think? Want to? Sure.